Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast, your first for 2020. It's official, Robert. We live in the future. I, I, I was going to do that Conan O'Brien, but you can't really do the year 2020. I guess we can do that. Yeah. Unfortunately, I still don't have my flying car. Oh, that's an oldie, but a goodie joke. That You showed your age. They, that's a 20-year-old joke, sir. I love you. <laughs> Forgetting that. I mean, like, you know, that's why you're my spirit animal. I'm your host, Jonathan whoa, 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 Edmonton, whoa, whoa, with whoa, me, whoa, of course. Whoa, 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 back, back, back the flying car up. Did you make the hand motion while you did it? Because that's really important to the whole process. Of My course. flying car. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is only a radio program. Of course I'm going to gesticulate no, my hands wildly. No, okay, watch this, watch this. Listen to my voice. Are you hearing me? Flying car and flying car. You can hear it in my voice. You can hear yeah. the flying I it. car. I heard it was <laughs> I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the confirmation bias to my vague prophecy, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing, bud? Uh, good. Good, apparently. Flying car. Woo! Hand motions. <laughs> That's all the humor I got in me tonight, people. Flying car. <laughs> Flying car. As always, we're going to start this off with a huge Flying thank car. you to our patrons over at... What? <laughs> I see our professionalism is not improved with the new year. <laughs> no. As always, we're going to get started with a big old thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys help us keep the lights on, and <laughs> there it is. Did you read that article I sent you? Okay, so here's the thing. Apparently, that is good old-fashioned sexism, because only the boy trees release clouds like that. When they transplanted all these cedars here, they transplanted a whole metric ton of the boy trees and not enough of the girl trees to absorb all of that flying reproductive element. I hate this time of year here it's just so miserable. yeah yeah go watch uh on kvue's website the local i don't know what is it abc station they had some video of the trees <coughs> yeah just smoking i've seen it yes I've seen it it's so gross yeah. so gross yeah. so gross. hey you, you know what we don't have up there up here in the pnw i mean we have cedar mm. trees but not like that as always, let's get started with a big old thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys help us keep the lights on, the servers humming, and help us uh, continue to bring questionable content to the internet. And speaking of questionable content, here is some rock-solid content. On the day that you are listening to this, on the premiere of the 2020 like episodes, like it is point. National Hot Pastrami Sandwich Day. Which, you know what, I have not had a hot pastrami sandwich in a long time. I can't even remember the last time I had it, so I'm just going to use this as an excuse. And I don't even re- really particularly like them, but you know what? It's been a while. Might as well Might as well just enjoy the day. Do you remember Katz's Deli here before they closed? Yes. They had the best pastrami sandwich. It was so Stop good. Stop me if I'm wrong. They also had cheesecake milkshakes. They did, which were dope. I still to this day don't understand. I never went into Katz's and it wasn't busy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, agreed, agreed. I just don't And they were open 24 way. hours and yeah. they were always busy. Yeah, Katz's never closes until it did <laughs> That was a lie I they printed. It. Yeah, we, we don't have any really good delis here. Of all places, you know who, where, where there was a great deli? Uh, downtown Sacramento, I found a really good Italian deli. Oh, we may pass through there on vacation this summer, so... 
Oh, I have to look that place up and get you the name. I think you're going to There like you it. go. Yeah, we're, we're the wife and I, we're figuring out our, our summer 2020 plans right now. So, Have you considered lovely Austin, Texas? Because I miss you. We don't want to fly, and driving there is way too long for even a two week vacation because it's Cause I miss it's five you. days one or it's it's probably yeah, four days one way. I miss you. I miss you. <laughs> there you go. The I turn the radio on. I turn the radio off, but they're always singing that song. I don't know the line from this <laughs> point on, but I'm gonna mumble through it because I'm a gun. <laughs> Well, with that nightmare, let's kick off our first off-the-shelf segment of 2020. It is, of course, our segment where we talk about all the wonderful things that we've had off the shelf, onto our tables, and into our hearts. And this is going to be somewhat extended because we have not been on the air for a month. Mm -hmm. Although, I didn't get nearly as much done as I thought I would in that time period. I did a lot of reading, so let's get started with reading. We never start with books. never start with books. Okay. Because I rarely get a chance to read, but oh, Robert, this past month have I been reading. Okay, go. I am up to book eight in the Expeditionary Force series. Mother of God. Yeah, I sank my teeth into it and I can't stop. Wow, that's impressive. I I can't call it great. It is fun. <laughs> it is fun. I'm having a good time. I like the characters. I laugh a lot. That's all, you know, I'm having a good time. Wow, eight books? Uh, apparently, part nine just got released. Um, I have not... Had an opportunity to pick up a copy yet. And I just found out that there's two um, half stories. There's a 3.5 and a 7.5, which I'll need to get my grubby little mitts on. And he spun off an entire another series called Mavericks off of the Expeditionary Force. <laughs> and now that they're talking about it all the time in the main line, I might have to chew through those as well. Good. Good times. Mavericks. He is prolific, Craig Allenson. Is that at all a reference to Top Gun? What? Mavericks. No, not even remotely. Okay. It makes sense in the context of this. Okay. By the way, how weird is that that Tom Cruise is coming back and playing that character like 30 or 40 years later? Like, does that happen? Do they let old people fly airplanes like that? Yes, there is a cap, though. Uh, 65 and you're done. Uh, Okay. Okay. Uh, That's in the airlines, at least. Um, I don't know about the military. I don't know if they have a max age. But generally speaking, when people get to their mid-50s, they're kind of... They're either put into uh, command or they're uh, gently persuaded to... uh, GTFO. <laughs> go. If you could do anything else, go do that. I, I believe that's that's technically uh, pronounced retire. Retire. Yeah. All right. Well, I actually read a book as well. Just one, not eight. Or, nice. or wait. No, I'm not eight. No, I, I was on what? Part I think you're on three. three. At you're three. at the three end of three. So, you, so I'm, I'm four and a half. Wow. Okay. In a month. God, that is really crazy. And, and I got more. Wow. Oh, wait, you have more books? Yeah. Go, go on. After you, sir. I also reread my most favorite comic of all time. The one that I go back to regularly. It's been time. I reread part one of my uh, anthology series of The Red Star. And how was that? It is as good as I remember it. It's a love story that can make a man's heart sing. (laughs) I have have no idea what you mean by that. Because it's not like the notebook. I'm not going to swoon, okay? It's not going to be just like kissing in the rain. Uh Uh-uh. No, this is this is about lost, unrequited love and revenge and political intrigue and it's good stuff. Do you remember what the first one's called? What the Red Star? Mm-hmm. I think it's just okay. The the ones I'm referencing are the IDW publications where they collected uh, like one through nine in the first volume. Is it just called Red Star? Does that have a subtitle? 
Is it deluxe edition? Is it Red Star or the Red Star? The Red okay. Star. Because they didn't have Red Star in my library, but let's see. Let's see if the Red Star changes anything. Yeah, uh, IDW put out two absolutely gorgeous editions of uh, of the the stuff. And no, it did not. I'm sad I did not borrow those from you before I left town. Low those many years ago. Next time you're in town, it's not like it's going to take you long. To no, it's a comic. It's a comic. Unless you happen to be sitting around on like, I mean, they were fifty dollars new. I have no idea if they're available these days. I do not think so, considering they're uh, they're selling for yeah about forty bucks on on the interwebs. That's yeah, they have to have had a reprint. That's not bad. Uh, these these IDW versions are gorgeous. They did such a beautiful production. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not usually one to swoon over comic art. I enjoy it greatly, but I, I wouldn't go as far as to say swoon, but I swoon in the art on these. Wow. That's a that's an interesting phrase. Swoon. Take a look at some frames. I will I will do that when I can. Man, I'm mad. They don't have it at my library. Your library has we've we've come to find the one you, you know what? I, I actually have an in with the guy who's the buyer for graphic novels maybe i should tell him to get honest yeah stuff yeah maybe man. i should bring that up i don't know how i should subtly bring that up because that's not exactly google the red star comic and then uh look at the first frame big frame it's like a 1140 by 600 wallpaper you see it with those three big sky furnaces in the background and the guys fighting on the ground in the foreground god that's pretty like i said now i gotta figure out a way to like bring this up because we're not exactly like talking like that <laughs> but I do have his email. Ugh, all right. All right. We'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can do. Also, he said he'd listen to this episode or to the podcast. So maybe he's listening to this right now. So that we can swoon over the amazing collection that is the Greater Portland Public. So I should like totally stealthily go, oh, I wish my local library. <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I can't do this. I can't. I don't, I don't have it in me. The Portland library system is just shy of greatness. They are only kind of okay because they miss this one crucial, absolutely crucial piece of what one would consider to be a well-rounded public persona. And that is The Red Star Volumes 1 and 2, the deluxe anthology from IDW Publishing, available on Amazon.com. Wow. That was golden, man. That was good. Is that subtle? I feel like yeah, that, that that was like butter, and you're just slapping it on thick to a big old piece of Texas toast. Yeah. I could go to my library and just stare at the shelves of ancient things that nobody wants to read. Yeah, I've I've been to the Cedar Park Library. Their uh, their comic selection is is about a shelf and a half. <sighs> they are no Portland Public Library. That's for yeah. I I don't know for the port. I don't know what system we are. Our our library is great. Do you know they have three separate sections of graphic novels at my place? And they're big. They're huge. All three of them. Because they divide it up into to safe for the kiddos, safe for the young adults, and then the uh, adult, adult, not adults only, but the uh, the comics the, the kiddos shouldn't read because there's the swears and the sex. Mm. So the good ones. Yeah. Like, well, you know, but, I mean, nothing like horrific, like the Aliens comics because of the gore, Watchmen, all that stuff's upstairs with the, uh, in the fiction area. <laughs> this is a riveting 13 minutes we've been spending here. I, I, although, to be fair, I think the first five minutes was me unable to speak. That's true. 
So I, uh, speaking of the library, I borrowed a book called Circe from the library, and I read that sucker. Oh, you were telling me about yeah. this. Yeah. I want to put this on my yeah, list. Yeah, no, it's really good. It's it's really quite good. It's uh, But I already promised uh, Dale that I would read We Are Bob next. <laughs> but We Are Bob's a big series. Circe's like a one and done. So you can kind of get it to like palate cleanse because it's, you know, Greek. It's not even sci-fi. It's like Greek fantasy stuff. That is true. I, I could use a palette. Yeah, yeah. And then you just move on in, into the sci-fi I series. I like where your yeah. at. I like what you yeah. see. I like what you put Yeah, down. yeah, yeah. I'm picking it up, baby. There you go. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's a, really, it's a really good book. It is about the witch Circe who churned a bunch of Odysseus's men into pigs. And, and it's her story from her point of view. And it was interesting because it's written by a lady who does a lot of uh, – uh, I, I'm not sure what her exact qualification is, but she's a professor of something that has to do with, you know, this stuff. I, I really should look up. Her name's Madeline Miller. I, I really should have looked her up. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's some of the stuff. Uh, Cersei isn't just a witch. She is a nymph. And I did not know this about the nymphs. The nymphs are gods. They're the little teeniest. Is she also the author of Song of the Yes. Queen? Yes, she is, which I'm considering reading, even though it doesn't sound entirely up my alley. But the Cersei was so good. I'm like, you know what? I, I, I it might, <clears throat> it might overcome my, uh, my, not my cup of tea-ness about it. And, uh, Push me on through. Well, let's learn a little something about Matt. Oh, my God. All right, everybody, uh, go get yourself a cup of brandy and sit down in front of a fire, because I can tell you this episode's going to go a little long. Born July 24th of 1978, she's an American novelist, author of The Song of Achilles and Circe. Miller spent 10 years writing Song of Achilles when she worked as a Latin and Greek teacher. There you go. The novel tells the story of love between the mythological figures of Achilles and Patroclus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It won the Orange Prize for Fiction, making Miller the fourth debut novelist to win that prize. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, Cersei, good times. She's a nymphs or gods, didn't know that. Makes sense. The minorest of gods, but it means she's immortal and it's really hard to kill her. Because they mean immortal like in the immortal sense. Like the Greek, like nymphs are really hard to actually factually kill. You can hurt them a lot, <laughs> but you can't kill them. Uh, they just grow back. Like a flatworm. Hey, uh, there you go. Eight-part miniseries adaptation of the book has been... For HBO Max, HBO yes, Max. yes. Yeah, me and Gina have been talking there about that. Go. We've been trying to figure out how they're going to break the story. I, I've, I've got a theory about it, but if you read it, we can talk about it then. Anyway, it's a good book. The first thing to get on HBO is that everybody loses their shirt. Yeah, there's a lot of sex and nudity. I mean, come on, it's Greek stuff. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. To, be to be expected. Anyway, and then uh, just yesterday, I was trolling the Twitters and somebody put their feelers out there for people who have podcasts or review blogs to get free stuff. And I'm like, hey, hey we just we might know a, a guy. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So I, I, I raised my hand and and I was like, hey, now I've I've, I've got a podcast and or a review site. Here you go. And so it's by a nice young man named Oz Mills, who has written uh, for the Star Trek Adventures and a couple other things that are on DriveThruRPG. And he sent me a little ditty that he wrote called Face the Music, which is a short little sort of like mini-adventure, encounter. It's more like a mini-adventure for 5th edition D&D. And I read it, and it was quite lovely. And it was just open enough that I was even thinking I might be able to convert this into something for my D&D game about nobility. So there you go. Quite liked it. We got it for free, I gotta say, but it's only two bucks on the drive through RPGs under Face the Music, a 5e encounter by Oz Mills. There you go, there indeed. You go indeed. Meeting our contractual obligation. Free thing, 
talk about it on your review site or podcast. Boom. And I will talk about it again if I do manage to work it into my D&D game. And then there's me. I have no idea what's going on. I'm going to smile big. Well, that's that's what we pay you for. It's certainly not for your brain. That's true. That's fair. I generally don't know what the heck is going on, especially when my wife is gone for 12 days and I am I am so tired. <laughs> I love my children, but oh man, dad needs a timeout. Yeah. All right. So what do you want to talk about? Well, we talked about books. Uh, let's go ahead and move into board games because I see we've got some uh, board games that Ray and Brendan would play. That's true. That's true. So I, I just threw out there on the Facebook group, which you should join because that's how we chat with people uh, that we were recording tonight. And Ray mentioned that Hogwarts Battle has gone over real big at his household, including with his wife. And they're on the seventh battle which I have no idea what that means because I know little about that game. But you know what? It sounds I, fantastic. My understanding is that it's it's uh, broken up into chapters. Oh, okay. So they're on chapter seven. Cool. And every, every one is like a different deck, I think. That would make a certain amount of sense. And Ray is also painting up and playing uh, his My Little Scythe game. And he posted a picture of one of his little painted up My Little Scythe figures. And it's adorable. It's a little beavery thing. Being that I have not had a chance to play My Little Scythe yet, I would love to hear from Ray what he thinks about the game in terms of playing it. Well, you will have your chance to ask him because he is currently booked to be on a recording session on February 20th. Boom. That's a little something we like to call foreshadowing. It's yet another reason we are professionals. Mm-hmm. I got really lucky on that one. I'm not. a <laughs> Yes. And I informed him that he will have to join us uh, in our bond retrospective for probably the most racist bond movie. You only die twice. That's <laughs> a rough one. That's a rough one. But we'll be, we'll be talking about Bond. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. With tonight's movie from Russia with love. And Tom Jones, I am not. I cannot say that. <laughs> and uh, professor of zombology, Brendan, uh, he completed his 10 by 10 challenge where I had to play 10 different games 10 different times throughout the year. And he, he squeaked it in because apparently he had to do eight games of eight games <laughs> of King of Aaron Steam <laughs> in December to, to finish her off. But he pulled it out. Um, this claps out for you, Brendan. Well done. Yeah. Well done. A 10 by 10 challenge is no joke. That is tough to do. Yeah. At the beginning of the year, you look at it and you're like, oh, that's no problem. That's, you know, one, one a month, 10 games a month. That's not so bad. There's 30 days in a month. No, that's tough. No, there's 52 weeks tough. in a year. That means he, and there's 100 games. He has to play, give or take, at least two a week just to keep up. Of only 10 times. Yes. But yeah, he he he, put, he published pictures somewhere. I'm on, I'm on his Facebook feed. He... He had it all down. It was pretty cool. And he, he did he mention uh, which ones he enjoyed the most? No, he just mentioned that he completed it. I, I think I would love from to hear my that, from my interpretation of events. He seemed more stoked that he completed it. <laughs> did I tell you I had a chance to meet Brendan at uh, Gen Con? Oh, nice. He and his design partner both. I don't think I ever had a chance to to mention that. Now I feel like a jerk. Probably should have mentioned that months mm-hmm. ago. I'm sorry. I am not good at life. I am overwhelmed in a general sense. So his his entire list from his Facebook post is Betrayal Legacy, London. Is that what that is at the top? It's kind of hard to read. Celebria, Legacy of Dragonholt, Sherlock Holmes. Cerebria. Cerebria. Okay. Sorry. These these are written in. It's kind of at a a kooky angle and it's written with a dry erase marker by. Man, 10 games of of that is no joke. That's a big game. Uh, Did I say Sherlock Holmes out loud? I thought it. Uh, yes, you did. S- Sagra- Sagrada. Sagrada. Uh-huh. Sagrada. Gizmos. King of Aaron Steam. Rainbow Knights. And Welcome to dot, dot, dot. There's not a quickie in the bunch there. Those are 
beefy game. Yeah, and he has this cute. Win- Hold on, I'll just send you this picture. Oh, that's a cool board. That board. Is yeah, dope. yeah, little meeples, and, and yeah, it's good times. It's good times. I really like that board. That's really quite clever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's laser cut MDF. I I am a fan. Yeah. What do the stars mean? The ones they've completed? I believe so. Yes. This is riveting, riveting, riveting radio. <laughs> There's nothing better than radio where you listen to people looking at stuff with their eyes. With their eyes. All righty. Well, let's go ahead and move right along into board games that you and I played. Anything on your side? Uh, no. Not a whole lot on my side Mm -hmm. either. Um, There was a lot of running around because of the holidays. A lot of running to different people's homes, etc., so we didn't get a chance to play a whole lot, but we did get a little bit of the bloody in it. Nice. I wanted to get refreshed on that because uh, Dale seems really excited about that one, so I want to teach it to him, and so I wanted to get refreshed. Uh, a lot more Terrors of London with the expansions, which are awesome. I'm just having so much fun with that Cool, game. cool. And then uh, the first game of Zombicide Invader. Is that Zombicide? In space! You better add the echo to that, because yes, it I, is. I always add the echo to in space. Like, any excuse to add the reverb is an excuse I take. <laughs> do, do you want to do it? Do you want Do you want to get an in space that's all echoey? Um, yes. Sure, okay. I'll get an in space. Oh, oh, I got goosebumps from that. That was, that was a good, good one. one. I felt yeah. that one. That was, Ooh. yeah. Ooh, a little tingle. You know why? It's because I'm, I'm on the Expeditionary Force Book 8. I, I've been basically reading about space almost exclusively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should read Cersei, the, the palate cleanse. I want to. That's, a, want that's to. a really, I, I, the more I think about it, the more that's a good idea before you jump into another sci-fi series. It's, it's just a... All right, don't let me forget. I am about a third of the way through Book 8, so I should be done. been reading it. And, and if you don't want to actually pay for it, uh, I will bet you money the Cedar Park Library has that book because it was too big not to have. It was a huge book when it came out. It's over a year and a half old, and I there is currently a nine person wait list on the copy I have right now. Oh, yeah, wow. Wow. yeah. It's. I think I've got like a thirty percent off coupon to Barnes. Uh-uh. This sounds like a good good enough book to buy and put it. In it's it, it's quite good. I, I was thinking all I, I I can't wait for you to read it because I we could we could, maybe we could do a deep dive of it and we could just like riff D and stuff. We could. I'd be cool because because I've I've gotten like all these D and D ideas from it. Aim for the stars, man. See if you can get the author on. Oh my god, she's huge. She's been on like P- uh, NPR. We are too, baby. No, no, she's been on NPR. Like she's been on people who get like paid by a company to make podcasts. Like she's not gonna do us. I've got an excellent NPR voice. Is that our pro- our, our thing? We're gonna just pretend we're NPR. Welcome to uh, I Forgot My Dice, brought to you by Portland Austin Public Radio <laughs> and the wonderful, wonderful patrons of Portland Public Radio. I'm Jonathan Edwards, your host. Uh, and with me as always, my co-host in high esteem, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How are you? Indubitably. Feeling your salutations Wonderful. as they rise through me to the cosmos. That's fantastic. That's good stuff. Oh, wow. Those those lines are really lighting up. <laughs> you light up my life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even understand anymore. <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute you've got allergies are you on Sudafed I am so high on Sudafed it's not even mother funny. of god all right that explains so that explains much. a lot all right I just coughed so hard I gave myself a head wrap. wow whoa that was whoa, that was like Keanu whoa <laughs> well since we've been on the subject of reading 
and games that leads us to RPGs, Robert. I, I, I have now played session two and three of my nobility D&D game, which I need to get you in on because otherwise we're not going to be able to do it because we're starting to get ahead of where we're at. Oh yes, let's let's let's. Get well, well, yeah, it's going to take a half hour. I need I need to get you on like the Skype for like a half hour to an hour at some point. How's it going? How's it going? It's going really well. Don't tell me too much because I don't want it to affect my ability. To- <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll talk about the thing I have, uh, the idea I have for you in 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 the idea I have for you. But so the the hook for the game is uh, one of the characters whose name is Lorenzo, who you read his letter last time. Uh, he has gathered up uh, the nobles from that used to live in a, uh, uh, a duchy in a kingdom that got overran by an evil overlord. And he has gathered them up because a lot of their ancestors fled the kingdom and they're going to go try to take back their lands. And so the first couple of sessions were just getting to the castle because I... I was thinking about Batman year one and I remember that part where Bruce Wayne, you know, was flying into Gotham. He's like, I should have driven. I should have gone through the streets and seen all the scum or whatever he says. And I was thinking like, yeah, like getting a sense of the land, like they need to like walk through some of it to get, you know, cause starting just with them rolling into the castle, they'd miss the bit of, you know, what's going on on the outside. And, and I thought I could communicate some story stuff to them like that. But yes, at the end or at the beginning of the third session, they got to the cat, their old castle, which had been mostly torn down by the bad guys. And all that was left was like one tower. And, uh, they, they went exploring it and they found out that the dungeons that were still intact, uh, were infested with red caps. And so they've been out there killing red caps and they are almost done with that, but we had to break. So we're going to have one more session of this kind of like, prologue basically and then we will get into the campaign in earnest which i thought we were going to be done i was hoping it would take three sessions but it's going to take four so i can't wait for the next session because the next session is when some of the cooler stuff is going to happen the non-combat-y coolness and uh, i'm going to shift them in the sandbox mode after that and then you, you are going to kind of only be in sandbox mode because even though it's a DD game you are not going to be playing DD. you are going to be playing a version of fate accelerated okay you're going to be a little bit more meta because you're going to be the bad, you're going to be the neighboring bad guys is a broad term, but it's the ones that aren't very happy to have competition, basically, and are a little bit ruthless. But I get to do funny voices. Y- you can, and and in fact, um, if they ever encounter the the people that you portray, if we could arrange it, I would love to have you guest just to to, to interact with them. I think that'd be funny, but we'll see if that ever happens or occurs. Yes, you are going to you are going to be the uh, the the Cosinaro family who uh, rule the duchy to the south. The Cosinaro. Yes, yes. I shall perhaps do the entire thing like Ricardo Montalban. Have you been to my castle? It's floor to ceiling and rich Corinthian leather. Corinthian, <laughs> only the best, which is what I have come to expect. Oh yeah, it's on. It's so on. I know. <laughs> I know this character. And then, you know, that gives one of them the opportunity to just scream out con randomly. Oh, good times. Good. Good times. Um, shall we move on to... TV or video games? Let's do let's do TV for last because we got a lot of that. So let's do video games. Okay. What have you been playing? Uh, you know, uh, the usual. I've been doing a little bit of the Dragon Quest, a little bit of the Overwatch. But over the holiday sale, I think I talked about it, but I've been continuing playing Civilization Six, which we bought on one of the holiday sales. And... I have that. I would love to play okay, it. Okay, let you. me know. Uh, Gina has it too. We we bought it twice because <laughs> Gina loves Civ games. So good, you buy it yes. twice. And then uh, for the PlayStation, I bought a bunch of games, but the one I've been playing most is uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Very nice. I am kind of disappointed in it. 
okay, let's not forget that it's no. That's not years. why I'm disappointed. They redid the voice acting and all of the lines. What? Yeah, right. And and the original take. Why? I don't remember there being. Oh anything no, wrong. God, they're awful. Like the original. I know that's part of the fun. So the voice acting's like ever so slightly better. It's not perfect, but it's better. And then the lines are actually better. But it churned the script from so terrible. It was kind of awesome and quotey. You know, it's like, what is a man but a miserable pile of secrets? But enough talk. Have at you. And they replaced it with, you know, something that's not nearly as melodramatic and stupid and delivered slightly better. So it's just kind of boring. Oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, it, it's a two pack. It comes with a uh, it's. uh <laughs> Sorry, when you said that, I just couldn't help but to think of, of whether or not we were about to have a, a West Coast East Coast. No, no, no. It, it comes with its predecessor, uh, Castlevania Rondo of Blood. It comes with its predecessor, Digital Underground. <laughs> Which I, I I have not played much of Rondo of Blood, but uh, it looks fun. It's a little bit more of a classic game. But like you know that part at the beginning of Symphony of the Night where uh, Richter shows up and fights Dracula? Like, like that yes. is supposed to be the end of Rondo of Blood. Like they are redoing it. Oh, that's cool. I don't think I ever played Rondo of Blood. I have that collection. It never came out in the States. So until that collection came out here, it it didn't exist. That would explain why I never played it. Um, By the way, fun fact for those of you who didn't understand my reference, because it's kind of obscure. Tupac got his start rapping in Digital Underground. That was the uh, obscure 90s rap reference. You're all welcome. If you'd like to learn more about 90s hip hop, you know where to find me. So what have you been playing? I finally had a chance to sit down and chip away at Jedi Fallen Order and get to the end. Oh, how was it? The last half hour of that game is some really good Star Wars. Huh. That's some really good Star Wars. So when's it set? It's because uh, it, it... it is set five years after Order 66. Oh, OK, so it's between three and four. OK. Yes. Uh, Vader is around. He's reasonably young. And uh, the Jedi have been purged. But uh, your main character, I'm not giving anything away here. It's, it's in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Told in the first five minutes of the game. Uh, your character survived the purge. They were a pat- Padawan. And, um, you know, uh, hijinks ensue. Good times. When, uh, when his uh, mundane existence uh, as a ship cracker is found out. I will have to give that a go. More Modern Warfare Season 1, more Apex Legends Season 3. Mm-hmm. Modern Warfare, I'm so t- torn about. I really I really enjoy the, the action of the game, but I'm not a fan of the map design. So I'm, I'm having trouble because I'm having fun with the, the mechanics, but I, I don't care for the map very mm. much. There's a couple good maps in there. There are a couple good ones, but for the, for the most part, the, the maps just, eh, whatever, for whatever reason, they're just not ringing my bell, but not enough to prevent me from playing. Weird. Okay playing a lot of DCS and recently project cars too. Cause I picked it up super cheap on steam. Hmm. Uh, wow. What a great sim racer. Wow. 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 What a great sim racer. How, how simmy is it? Uh, as simmy as you want it to be. It's kind of like Forza where you can sim the living daylights out of it or you can arcade. Okay. It. Cause like I, I really enjoyed Gran Turismo. I just didn't like dealing with tires. <laughs> no, you don't have to deal with tires. Yeah. If you don't want to. You can turn that off. That's cool. I mean, but Project Cars 2 is a really, really good sim racer with really a fantastic uh, amount of variety in terms of the vehicles that you can drive. Cool. And oddly enough, I've become weirdly enamored with um, American Truck Driver. Hmm. And I kind of want to pick it up on the cheap if I see it on the cheap. (laughs) But then I watched a YouTube video of it 
And I got a little frustrated because they were in California, supposedly in San Diego, but the freeway was only two lanes on either side. And that section of the freeway is five lanes. And that kind of, Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I really kind of I was like, you're, you, you have simulator in the name. You have simulator in the name. And there's only two lanes on the five? No. So I guess we're on t- movies and TV now? Movies and TV. Um, why? You want to you wanna go back and forth on this? I watched Three Days of the Condor 2, so why don't we start okay. there? Uh, yeah, I was, I, this started with me. I looked up on the internet, what's a good movie like Captain America Winter Soldier and Three Days of the Condor came up and I'm like, you know what? I have never seen that. Might as well. <laughs> Sydney Lament. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I watched it as well after you watched it because I got really jealous. Because <laughs> that's like Robert Redford in his prime. But man, that movie got rapey. Yeah, yeah. There, there's the, the whole love story subtext, which really didn't even need to be there. No, it it really genuinely didn't. It was just wasted screen yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, it was creepy. It was very Stockholm Yeah, scene. it just wasn't good. Like, m- the vast majority of that movie could, could hold up and be made today, but you'd have to take that whole love plot out. It's just not necessary either. Yeah, yeah, you know. It would have been a more top movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree totally. Redford's great. Redford's it, great. Uh, Max von Sydow's great. Oh yeah, no, he's so good, especially near. Yeah, no, I, lo- I yeah, I loved everything about that movie, and uh, it, it's kind of spurred something in me because uh, there's people out there who have a theory that Three Days of the Condor is actually a secret trilogy with uh, Robert Redford basically playing the same character, even though it's not the same character, but you could sort of pretend it's the same character. The middle part is Sneakers, and then the final part is uh, Spy Game. I love Sneakers. What a great film. Yeah, so we actually, I, I didn't put this on my list. We watched Spy Game too, which was also interesting. A lot uh, Didn't have a, a romantic subplot that was terrible in it. But uh, yeah, it was, it's interesting because it's like trying to be an action movie, but it's trying to like be an action movie in the with spies actually acting like spies. So it's like, we're going to have an action movie sequence where I talk you into doing stuff because you're an asset and I'm not like James Bond here. I just get people to do things for me. True. But uh, yeah, no, it was that, that movie's pretty good. And then uh, Gina admitted she had never seen Sneakers. So uh, we got that from the library, too. So that's just sitting down. Wait, 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 wait. Gina had never seen Sneakers? No. And we're going to fix that. Oh, man. Let me know when you watch it. I'll watch it again. Uh, we're we're going to watch it like I, probably in the next couple of days. I love that movie. I love that Oh, I love, can tell love, you when we're going to watch it. We're probably going to watch it Thursday night. Okay. I'll make it a point to try and watch it Thursday night. Okay. Remind me. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Three Days of Condor is a little creepy. It's a good plot. It's, it's kind of weird and wishy washy. And I. It, it, you know, honestly, like plot structure wise, it kind of does remind me of Winter Soldier in a way because, you know, like especially Max von Sydow's bad guy who hired to kill Robert Redford for like the whole movie. And, know, then, and then and then and then they cancel that contract. He's not really a bad right, guy. Right. But they cancel that contract. And then he just starts talking to him. He's like, no, nah, I don't I, I'm not getting paid to kill you anymore. And, and there's he's, he's got this like weird respect for him because he's like, you're either skilled enough or just lucky enough that you've killed several of my men. And I can respect that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nothing about that is personal to him. Yeah, and he has this odd respect. It's like, yeah, you managed to you managed to survive me. Like, like respect, bro. Like that. That's not easy. Good. Good on you. <laughs> I'll help you out a little bit. Yeah. No, his character is the best part. Yeah, of that movie. Yeah. I, I would love to see a, a movie with a character more like that. Like this. I don't want to call him an assassin. I'm, with a heart I'm pretty of gold. sure that I could have Max von Snyder read me a menu, and I'd totally be. <laughs> yeah, that's enamored. true. That is so so true. Like he's just got such a great speaking voice. Yeah. Now I need to go watch the first two and a half minutes of Force Awakens again. <laughs> uh, we're not going to talk about Star Wars until next time or the time after. Speaking of which, let's get the Mandalorian out of the way because that's going to get wrapped up in it too. And I don't want to deal with that now. So we're going to have a very, very spoilery Star Wars thing in a later date. But not, but today. not today. I love me some Mando. So what have you been watching? Tell me one thing. Uh, other than Mando? Yes. 
<laughs> I watched all of The Witcher. Oh, how was that? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. The only complaint I have is that there's actually three timelines within the show, and they don't do the best job of explaining what timeline you're tuned into at any given time. One of the most effective ways I've ever seen something like that handled is, uh, have you ever seen the movie Traffic? No. So in Traffic, you, you're you're looking at three disparate plot lines that are occurring simultaneously, but to give you a visual cue, whenever you jump from one plot line to the next, there's uh, each each plot line is shot in a, a specific color hue. Mm, okay. So like Benicio del Toro's character has a, a yellow hue to it. The plot line that takes care, uh, place in the U.S. has a, a green hue to it, the Michael Douglas plot line. And then the, the third set of characters has a blue hue to it. Mm. And so, you know, you're, you're kind of keyed into which characters you're tuning into just by that. There's a lot of different ways that you could do it. It, it just doesn't broadcast it well. And once you put it together in your brain, it totally works. It's just not right up front like it should be. My buddy who watched it said he really enjoyed it because Henry Cavill obviously was having a very good time. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, he's a total fanboy. Yeah. He's a total gamer, too, by the way. And apparently he's played through all of the Witcher games multiple times. I was on the Internet and somebody said, you know, the Witcher's good, but the first fight sequence in the Witcher is so much better when you put it to uh, Britney Spears toxic. <laughs> I saw that on the Internet. That's pretty good. The four- fight choreography is really good in it. Yeah, I hear it's Hollywood drivel, but at least it's fun to look at Hollywood drivel, which sometimes they forget to do. Well, you, you know, so often uh, fights are shot too close up, you know, and you yeah. can't tell who's who or, and who's where and what's happening. Right. And so all that that hard work that they put into the fight choreography, looking at you, born identity, uh, gets lost because you don't see it on screen. Nice. And, you know, I, I call out born identity very specifically because if you were to watch the film, you wouldn't realize how talented you know, both Matt Damon and the the person he was fighting against are and, and how much work they put into that fight sequence. Because when you watch the making of, they go for like 45 seconds to a minute at a time, hmm. unbroken. But in the movie, in the final cut, everything's like jump cut after two and a half seconds and, and the cameras push way in and you just can't tell what's going on. So all that hard work is, is kind of lost in, in translation. But in this one, the, the takes are long and the camera set way back so you can clearly see who's who and, and, and who's doing what. And it's very easy to follow. And man, oh, man, there's just some brutality. And, and Henry Cavill does look like he's having a blast. He looks like he's on the edge of grinning from ear to ear at all times. <laughs> so speaking of uh, brutality, I caught the 2019 reboot of Child's Play. Wow. And you yeah. said it was better than expected. You texted me about it. I will actually call it good. I, I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, it's a needless sequel, right? Because I, I, we were talking about how complicated the rights are to that. But basically, like, two people own the rights to Chucky, essentially. And Universal owns the rights to the title Child's Play, which is why the Chucky movies started becoming, you know, blah of Chucky <laughs> after a certain point. <laughs> um, because they don't want to pay for that licensing fee anymore. And then both people own the idea of the killer doll Chucky, but the guy who originally wrote it owns the whole voodoo angle from the original screenplay and most of those characters too. But Universal owns the the Chucky name, the the general idea, and the term child's play. And so they they were gonna make it and somebody's like, well if you're gonna make this anyway, we might as well like try something interesting. And I will give them credit. They tried and it mostly worked. 
I don't think some people got it because some people are like, it's a farce. It's picking on the first movie. They don't like it. And it's like, no, they, they, they couldn't even really pick on the first movie because if they, if they overlap with the other movies at all, like they could sue. And so like they had a very, I was reading the making of, they had to very specifically kill people in ways that they have not been killed in any of the Chucky movies ever because it could, it could cause problems. So they, they were just kind of trying to do something. And what they were trying to do was, uh, they were riffing that thing that we were talking about when we were talking about the Terminator and how you'd have to remake the Terminator and involve like social media and like apps and all that. In that movie, Chucky isn't evil voodoo doll. Chucky's just an AI gone amok. And it's interesting. And the way he goes amok is really stupid because it's, it's a total dig at Foxconn. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> basically they, uh, it, it, they show this awful factory in, uh, you know, in China somewhere and it's totally not Foxconn, but it's totally Foxconn. And, uh, you know, they fire this one guy and he's like, you know, you can't fire me. What am I going to do? Uh, you know, it's like, blah, blah, blah. You know, I live here. And it's like, well, you're out, get out. And so before the guy goes, uh, he turns off all the safety features on one of the Chucky dolls and, and ships it. You know, the idea is that all of the Chucky dolls could do evil stuff after a while if they were sort of raised that way. But they have behavioral, you know, they have like the three laws of robotics or something holding them back. And, you know, I mean, it's kind of stupid, but like the whole there's this really, really interesting subtext to it about how Chucky goes amok. Because he doesn't go amok just because he's like an evil AI and, and, you know, it's like, oh, I have to destroy humanity. That's just what evil AIs do. He kind of like arrives at that point and they're trying to say something with how he gets there, which I will give them credit for. That part was actually really interesting. And it's it's kind of a riff on like stalking and toxic masculinity and a whole bunch of other stuff. Like it, it was it was just interesting. Like they, they were trying something and, and and they succeeded more than they failed. I will give them that. So. I will recommend if you if you can rent that for cheap or whatever, get, give it a go. It is not it is not child's play. It's kind of its own thing, and it's a shame it's named that because I, I think it sets up expectations that it it literally can't meet. Well, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I got it on my list. Yeah, no, I I was I was very pleasantly surprised. I thought it was going to be a, a pile of garbage, and it was kind of like you know a horror comedy with something to say about toxic relationships, basically, <laughs> which I thought was fun. Um, Lost in Space Season 2, I see, is on your list. <sighs> How'd that end up? I've heard I've heard mixed. And I kind of don't want to give it the time of day because Netflix has been, like, canceling everything after two seasons. And I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't Man, even... Man, it's kind of all over the place. I mean, they better not cancel it now. They've got a big, big cliffhanger. No, they're going to freaking cancel it. They've been canceling everything after two seasons. It's like, why even bother investing in anything on Netflix right now unless it's going to be there for... I, that's kind of why I don't even want to watch The Witcher unless they get a season three, because I don't even know if I want to invest in it if it's not going to resolve. Just watch it. I think you'll have a good time with it. Well, I, I'm still behind. I still got to watch The Boys and a bunch of other stuff. So, Oh, my God. I love The Boys. And season two, the first teaser's out. Yeah. Well, I, and that's the thing. Like, Amazon, Amazon's just throwing money at stuff. So I, I, I figure they'll just keep doing it until I don't know when. But Hey, Amazon, if you'd like to throw money at me, I am available. So is it, does it have, like, a middle act problem or... No, it's not per se an act. It's just, I mean, how many episodes can that family get into hot, deep, deep trouble? You know? Well, it's kind of the whole point of the entire show. So lots. Yeah, but <coughs> when it happens in an escalating fashion every single episode, you just kind of left just like nobody's got that bad luck. <laughs> like they, they just need an episode where it's somebody else's problem and they're helping them out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. And just like the the plot kind of goes random places and there's wasted scenes that are, I mean, they just have no business there. 
And it's just, I don't know, the plot kind of meanders all over the place. And it's a very unfocused season. Like, it doesn't feel like they had a good, solid plan when they started writing it. It just kind of goes all over the place. The first season, totally enjoyable. Not good, but totally enjoyable. Yeah, I don't even think I finished it. I think we got about halfway through and got distracted. I can see that. All right, so uh, because of my D&D game about nobility, uh, I rewatched something that kind of inspired it ages and ages ago when I put that idea on my bucket list. So, oh God, like a good 10 or 15 years ago, Terry Jones of Monty Python fame did a TV series for the BBC called Medieval Lives, which was oddly fascinating because it was kind of like debunking a bit of like what you think of medieval life was like and what it was actually like. It's an interesting series. Most of it, all of it's like on YouTube now because I don't know, I don't know why, but it's actually on the, like the Monty Python YouTube channel for some reason. (laughs) I think it's nine episodes and every episode just focuses on like, you know, peasants and damsels and outlaws and Kings and blah, blah, blah. And it's, you know, obviously mostly English focused, but yeah, I remember watching that and that was when I got that first kernel of an idea of to run a nobility game based off of the there's kind of three episodes that sort of tie into nobility, which is knights, kings and outlaws of all things. Cuz uh, I don't know if you know this, but there was not a terribly clear distinction between those three things in medieval times. Hmm. Because for example, uh during the 30 years war, uh you know, people were fighting and fighting and fighting and then the war was over and they told uh they told people to go home and I forget who was running it it was like Robert something or other. Um but like they told him to take his army home and him and all of his army kind of realized they'd been fighting for 30 years. Like they didn't really have a home to go home to because when they left, they were like boys and now they're like men with no wives and everybody, you know, their family members are probably dead. And so they, they just said, you know what? Nah, man, we're just going to keep this party rolling. They, they basically became an outlaw army and they rolled around and started pillaging. And uh, at the time the Pope was uh, crashing in Spain And so they rolled up to where the Pope was hiding out and said, hey, Pope, fork over some money or we're going to come in and take it eventually. We're just going to lay siege to you. How does that sound like we you could just you could just we'll skip the middleman and not take everything. And uh, the Pope lied and, you know, basically said he didn't have a lot of money. But, you know, I will absolve you of all your sins and I will pay you a little bit. And uh, why don't you guys go to Italy? Because they need armies there. And so that group then traveled to Italy and, you know, got into the city state stuff. And that's what they did until the end of their days. (laughs) But, yeah. It was led by a knight. I mean, full on, you know, landed sir. And yeah, yeah. The the line got fuzzy. The line got, and, and the line got fuzzy a lot with, with nobility and, and brigands. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. True story. So yeah, it's a fun, you know, and, it, and they kind of do the, that Python-esque, you know, where they animate like tapestries and stuff and have the goofy art. And, and yeah, it's a good, it's a good show. I enjoyed it. Highly recommend, if, especially if you play the D&Ds and are looking for inspiration for medieval weirdness. There you go. There you go. Uh, I watched Tremors with the kids. I did that with Aowen and she got a little bored and scared, but I think that was like a year ago. I might want to try that again. Dude, ha- the kids were way into it. Way into it. It was nuts how into it they were. Well, we were talking before we started recording. Like, there's a reason there's seven Tremors films now. And it's, it, you know, it's like any horror franchise. Tremors one is that reason. Yeah, yeah. The first one was really good. So they keep trying to, like, capture that lightning in a bottle. And it keeps slipping through their fingers more and more as they go on. <laughs> So how they, you know, because I don't remember it being terribly gory. Did they, were there no, any freak out so moments gory. or? It's not so gory. There's, there's like, there's more uh, graboid guts than anything else. That's true. That's true. I mean, they're obviously, <coughs> obviously puppets. So was it the youngest that watched it or the, the older two or what? 
no, everybody watched it. Everybody mm-hmm. watched it. And I was surprised because I usually give the youngers, I tell them, hey, you know, here's what to expect. And Lincoln's fearless. He'll watch anything. He just doesn't care. But Sophia can be sensitive to that kind of stuff. But she was way into it and she really enjoyed it. Hmm. Yeah, maybe I'll give it a go again. As far as scripts go, um, I mean, it's a, it's a darn near perfect script. It It does... A very good job of foreshadowing. It does a very good job of uh, building this situation up at, at a very good pace. Um, there's some really interesting camera techniques that I'd forgotten about. I mean, it's it's it was a surprisingly competent movie. I mean, as cheesy as I'll get out, but f- super well put together cheesy. Well, my one last thing is uh, I finished up Steven Universe Future, which kind of ended with a fizzle, which is a little shame because I, I, I read that 10 episodes was all they got and it just sort of it didn't really resolve anything. It was supposed to be like a denouement, you know, to the whole show because it was just wrapping up some loose ends. But the very last episode, like Steven had some, some stuff and they Mm -hmm. never, they never resolved it. They just kind of like let it go on that where, you know, like what do you do after you save the world and the universe and whatnot and fix everything? Like, where does that leave you? And, and Steven was grappling with that for that entire 10 episodes. Like what, what is he now? Like, what does he do? And, uh, he, he felt, you know, very like lost and they never, they left it on that, that he's just kind of drifting a little bit. And I'm like, that's a shame. I hope it's not actually 10 episodes. I hope we'll get a few more where they can kind of wrap that idea up. But I read 10, 10's all we get. So we'll see if they, they do more or not. Hopefully they do. Cause it kind of, yeah, it just kind of ended on this sort of like, it was a weird, it was a weird way to end the show. There you go. There you go. All right. Is that it? Are we, are we done? I think so. I think so. Oh, oh, oh. Speaking of, of having a direct line to my library earlier, I just wanted to throw this out there. I, I, I contacted the guy who uh, uh, who does the podcast for my local library who also buys like the comic books and the board games and the role-playing games, actually. I just wanted to throw this out there because he emailed me back and he just said an interesting line, which was uh, he, he, he was talking about how he met up with the three other librarians who do stuff like that. And he said, uh, the three of us met up at a bar almost five years ago to talk about circulating board games. And now with over 1,400 games in our county system, we might be very well, we might very well be the largest publicly circulating collection of board games anywhere. And I'm like, wow. That's so cool. That's so cool. 1,400 items in the board game collection alone. The only only place that you're going to see something like that is at the BGG uh, library. Oh my gosh, that library is insane. And yeah, I mean, it's spread out over like like two, three dozen locations, but still like, it's nuts. It's a lot of stuff. Oh, he also buys all the stuff for the 3d library, which I have rented the most absurd stuff from the library. I rented a egg cooker to make hard boiled eggs. (laughs) (laughs) I've rented a bread machine a couple times, an ice cream maker, uh, the, uh, poorly named cornhole game for my daughter's birthday, you know, where you throw the, the bean bag through the hole. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much outside every place that you can eat here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's just, it's just what they do here. So, but yeah, 1,400 board games and that's it. I'm spent. Well, that brings us to the end of our first segment off the shelf. And when we return from a short break, it will be time for our wisdom of crowds, which is wisdom of nothing. This wisdom of nothing this time. (laughs) We'll explain in just a few minutes. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by hitting us up at one of the following. You can join us on Patreon, where we post bonus content. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitter. Find us at Forgot My Dice. 
You can join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash FMD podcast. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Lastly, for those of you seeking experiences beyond our concepts of pleasure and pain, set the Lamont configuration to full hell mode. Oddly, you can find us in several levels of the labyrinth as the only thing playing on the radio. Wait, what? I have such sights to show you, Jonathan. Ah, I need to take your Netflix account away from you. And welcome back for the break. It is now, of course, time for our wisdom of, well, frankly, Robert, this episode is our wisdom of nothing. Yeah. Segment. Yeah. Because there is nothing going on. Not a thing. D&D announced a product today, which is a very fancy dice set with some other stuff. But yeah, it's about all I had. It's about all I had. And you're up to date on the news. There we go. I guess it's time to move on to No Time to Bond. (laughs) Part two of our 26-part series. (laughs) Is the new movie number 26 or is it 27? No, that I, I think I counted that because okay. I, I think it's I think it's the 25th one. Let me let me double check. Maybe, maybe we might have to update the number. No Time to Die is the 25th one. So 26 with Never Say Never Again. We'll let you figure out which which number you prefer. <laughs> For me, it's 25. Enough said. I like Never Say Never Again. It's really bad, but it's kind of bad. I know that's that's it. I mean, it, it's 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 tough. To overcome the fourth wall breaking. You know what? No, hey, save it. Save All it. Right. That should be part like, I think, 16 or 17. I think that's where that one lies. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's reasonably deep. Yeah. Yeah. Today we are talking about From Russia with Love, released on October 10th, 1963, directed by Terrence Howard. And I, I wrote down some fun facts for this. Its budget was $2 million compared to Dr. No's $1.1 million. So it And it shows it. Yeah. It shows it. Uh, it took in $79 million and adjusted for inflation, the movie was made for a mere $16.5 million and made $655 million. Hashtag things that aren't going to happen in 2020. <laughs> this movie is notable for a couple of things. It is the second and final appearance of Bond's girlfriend, Sylvia, who he met at the beginning of Dr. No in the casino and was wearing a shirt while he was playing golf, and he was out at a picnic with her at the beginning of this movie, but we never see her again. Yes, yes. And she's also uh, one of the most awkward moments in the movie, where he's slapping her hand away. Yeah, yeah. That was rough. That was rough. That was rough. And it's also the first appearance of Desmond Lewin. That's a Llewellyn. Llewellyn. Yeah, it's a Welsh name. Uh, As Q. Q was not in the first movie, but Q showed up. No, he was not. But he showed up with his gadgets in this one, and he was in them straight through... um, uh, uh wow uh not the last pierce brosnan one but one of the one of the last i think it was the last pierce brosnan one yeah you know what i think you're right too come to think of it so i'm pretty sure because he passed away shortly after they announced that craig was going to be the next bond as, as i recall yeah he was in a lot of the films a lot of the films he's the best part of those films <laughs> well he was just so well, you know what? Tell you what. Well, we'll, we'll quintessentially start, British. We'll we'll start talking about Q when Q becomes Q because Q is not really Q in this yet. He is just a guy who hands him a magic briefcase full of money and knives and bullets and a gun. Does he get a shoot? No, I take it back. The world is not enough. Was his last one? Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. He did not. Uh, he did not get to the end of the. Yeah, I was gonna say because I know John Cleese had one where he was the only Q. Yes, yes, you are correct because John Cleese took over after Desmond Llewellyn. Yeah. 
But anyway, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. So, Jonathan, let's talk about From Russia With Love. Where 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 would you like to begin? <laughs> I, I, I don't know about you, but this one was a lot rougher. Like, I could see the Bond formula in Dr. No, and I couldn't see it in this one. This one got way more like what you would call more of a, like a traditional spy thriller because there were like double This cross- was definitely a more... Yeah, you're right. This is definitely more spy thriller than it was Bond film. But you also see this weird evolution of some of the stuff that becomes a staple in the Bond movies. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like it took to the third one to, to take pieces of number one and number two to, to really come together with the formula. Yeah, but we'll, we'll talk about Goldfinger next time, which which yeah. Goldfinger this, is like this the one quintessential distinctly one. lacks uh, a lot of the campiness. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that. And uh, it's got this really awkward thing where they did like they did this like triple agent nonsense with, you know, Spectre and Smurg and yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's just a really, the, the plot is kind of hard to follow almost. You know what I mean? At times. Yeah. At times. Cause like, who are the bad guys and who's working for whom? And, but you know what? I realized watching the beginning of this one, so much of Austin powers, Dr. Evil is based off of this film. <laughs> so many of the gags yeah. in Austin Powers are based off this film. Like number two. Number two. And number three. Yeah, and Frau Farbista is, uh, yeah. is number, she's number three, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Frau Farbista is based off a character in this. A lot of, a lot of, just a lot of stuff is based off of this uh, one in it's, particular. It's uh, 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 Kleb, right? Rosa Kleb. Yeah, yeah. And, and, oh. Because she was Smirsh. But then she joined But now Spectre. she's Spectre. Yes. Which I had to explain to the to the kids that were watching it with me. <laughs> See, she's she's a double agent, kids, and then she she recruits and makes an asset uh, of a triple agent of that lady who has the dumbest motivation ever. I saw a photo. Of, well, okay, this was her cover story, but her cover story was the dumbest thing ever. I saw a photo of James Bond and I fell in love with it. It's like ah, <laughs> how do we justify this in the script? Well, we put this line in. Well, girls fall in love with rock stars from pictures. <laughs> Sold. It was pretty clear that they they knew that that was a trap. That that was just a line. Like they they knew. Well, they even say it. Like yeah. they, they they even so much as say that it, that they'll obviously see it's a trap. Yeah, uh, it's just I half expected Admiral Akbar to pop out of nowhere half the way through the movie and just go. It's a trap. trap. I don't know what to talk about this movie honestly because. I mean, it's it's got a lot of the because they keep referring to uh, what's what's the lady's name that the defector. I can't I can't remember her name now. The the one that falls in love with him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tatiana Romanova. Yeah. Tatiana. Like they keep referring to her. I'm only remembering Romanova because one of the kids thought they said Romanoff and they were like, like, like Black Widow. And I said, no, honey, Romanova. Which, by the way, was so awkwardly played by an Italian person. <laughs> like, <laughs> there was no Russian in that accent, man. It was, it was hard to not hear the Italian accent. Oh, she was dubbed. Uh, I'm not at all surprised, and it was still bad. <laughs> anyway, like I was watching this movie, I was finding it kind of hard to follow. Like, I really had to pay attention to it because the plot... It, it's not edited well. No. Agreed. That part where he slaps her around in the train because she's hysterical. Oh, my God. Yeah, but that's still not the worst that we've gotten uh, that we we get out of the Connery bond. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But, yeah, I, like I said, I 
I was having to pay attention really hard for it because I, I just forgot kind of how weird the story is. Cause there's that whole, there's that whole like weird cold open where that guy's like hunting bond in a hedge maze. And I'm like, why does Sean Connery's makeup look so bad? And then it's like, Oh, they did it on purpose. Cause it's supposed to be a mask. And <laughs> which when, when they cut away after the garage scene yeah. and, and they're showing that mask, that is so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like the villain was just kind of this blonde beefcake and, like there wasn't like a really clear bad guy because he didn't have the Bondian dinner. It was just kind of this weird protracted cat and mouse game between him and Spectre. And he didn't even realize it was Spectre until the end. And yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know how I feel about this one. The part that first got underneath my skin was the way they, they treated the personification of the, the, the Romani. (laughs) (laughs) I mean like, Oh wow. Hey kids. It's the stereotypes for beginners kit. <laughs> I mean, it was just so bad. And I mean, just like who gets ready to fight one another. And, and the first thing they do is take off their skirt and, you know, wrap it around like a sash. Like it was just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that sequence. That happened yeah. so oh, early I'll on. Take objectification for 200, Alex. Whatever happens here, do not interfere. It's like, okay, what? All right. And then he wins both of them. Uh, yeah that was that was just a rough scene man that was a rough rough scene also fun fact uh the guy playing the turkish guy is uh i think spanish spaniard i mean it's just so like the the the, the whitewashing hurts man it hurts <laughs> didn't even occur to me to even think about that it's <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking up this the actor This is definitely now. a weak point in the Bond films, and I don't necessarily know why this one is, is as revered as it is. It, it is. My, my dad said it's his, his favorite. I mean, hell, Kennedy put this book on his, like, top ten books of the decade. I mean, it's got it's got some fantastic sequences, without a doubt. And, and considering the stunts of the time and the technology available, like, those helicopter buzzing Bond scenes are truly intense. Like, that pilot was just dumb. <laughs> Yeah, so we got an Italian lady playing a Russian lady. We got a Spaniard guy playing a Turkish guy. Like, it's all over the place. At least he was actually swarthy, unlike the people they got to play Asian people in the previous movie. <sighs> it's rough. That was rough. Yeah. Still, that one still stings a bit. That one's still a little rough. I'm not <laughs> looking forward to uh, to uh, our little adventure in Japan. Yeah, but we'll have Ray for that, Ray. You know, I think I think we're looking ahead. So so I'll ask you this time, um, looking at it, not from a Bond movie and, you know, product of its time, yada, yada, yada. How how does uh, From Russia with Love hold up? Ultimately, it, it, its biggest issues are ones of plot pacing and um, clear editing. Like th- those are the big three problems with the film. I think when you take into account the time period that the film was made a lot of those choices make a lot more sense because if you go back and watch a lot of these older films, you'll notice that a lot of them make these, I mean, by modern standards, these same mistakes. Yeah. Culturally, I think the, that people were willing to make certain jumps because of the political arena at the time, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I don't think people necessarily have all that context now or all that paranoia that, that was so abundant in society at the time. Yeah, the pacing was just off. It was the story really meandered quite a bit. Like Bond is kind of along for the ride for most of the movie. And he people keep like just messing with him. Like, you know, they like they film him 
you know, making whoopee and he doesn't know, like he keeps reacting to everything. He's never like a protagonist, you know, he's never in charge. Like, a in, the, like, yeah, the, the only time bond felt like bond is when he was in the train and he spotted, uh, the Smirsh guy or no, not the Smirsh guy, the specter guy putting something in, uh, Romanova's drink. Yeah. And when he sizes him up kind of out of instinct, realizing that, that there's something going on and he's like, Oh, you work out. You know, obviously letting him know, yeah, I see you, fool. Yeah, yeah. And and that was the only time Bond felt like Bond because you're right. The rest of the the rest of the movie, he's not in control of anything at all. He is truly just a passenger in his own movie. I remember I remember Goldfinger much more fondly, and I remember it like really had figured out the formula somehow magically. So well, and, and I think that's where it all starts to come together because again, there's there's aspects of the formula in the first movie that you definitely don't see in this one, but there's also aspects of the formula in this movie that you did not see in the first. Yeah, but this one, it was like a lot of like, shall I say the seasoning? Like the, the big beats Dr. No had, you know, it had the Bondian dinner, it had, you know, kind of the, just the progression that that is typical in Bond movies, whereas this one had, you know, like the seasoning, like Hugh, like... At, at least this one had an ending, unlike <laughs> Dr. No. Big explosion and scene. Jonathan, we're going to call it what it is. It was a nuclear meltdown. And again, <laughs> all right, all right. We, we are way wandering off of uh, From Russia with Love. But of the two movies, I think we both agree it's the weakest of the two so far. So in, in the stack rank. Uh, looking forward yeah, to Goldfinger. Right now, the, the stack ranking is Dr. No 1, From Russia with Love 2. <laughs> but um, I will say this. This is the first time the score truly felt Bondian. Like the score is phenomenal in this in this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's getting there. It doesn't have all the same beats. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, it doesn't quite have all the beats yet of the music cues and all the. It, no, but it, it it finds the brass section, which yeah. becomes such a, a a quintessential part of the character and the movies. Yep. Honestly, looking forward to Goldeneye. It's it's the the thing that was missing from Goldeneye that that to me kind of crippled the film. Stupid Eric Sarah. We're, we're, Don't like you very much, sir. <laughs> we're looking ahead. So that was uh, that was from Russia uh, from Russia with love. Next up is uh, is Goldfinger, right? Yeah, I'm almost positive. It's oh, I I know there's a scene in Goldfinger. You and I are going to trip up on hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that pool scene. You know what I'm talking. I about. know what you're talking about. I, yeah, yes. God, I can't believe how much money it made. Yeah. Well, I think that takes us to our other little micro. This segment. came out super quick after the first one too, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, about a year. And then they were already advertising Goldfinger at the end of this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this came nuts. out less than a year later, sub- September 17th of 64. Wow, man, they can't pump out sequels like that anymore. No. Anyway, anyway, we're getting ahead. We're getting ahead. We're, we'll talk about the next movie in episode 79. Oh, God, I'm excited just for the theme song, just because Shirley Bassey is so good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> All right, let's be excited later. Let's, let's do our next uh, little, little bitty segment. All right, well, that was No Time to Bond, which means it's now time for A Year in the Life. This is where we look back in time to the past, where we were but young lads. And a year ago, what were we doing, Robert? Forgot My Dice, episode 54. She'll be here next month. Oh, my God, that is surreal, because I just gave her a bottle and put her down again. Yeah. See, okay, so I remember I titled that episode that because you kind of objected to it. I remember this very vividly, but I said, a year from now, you're going to hear that and you're going to have all of the feels just like I had all of the feels when we did an episode that was based off of something Miles said all the time, which I now can't remember. You are right. You are correct because I am totally having the feels. Right yeah, now. yeah. Isn't it good? It's good. It is. It's good stuff. That's the good stuff. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. So you're welcome. That was my gift to you. Anyway, uh, we did nothing. We did prediction results because that was our prediction results episode last year. So yeah, there's nothing here to see. Move along. How very odd, Robert, because what's next? Our final little bit of today's show of nothing because there's no wisdom here. There is just our insanity. (laughs) Yep. We're only doing one break this episode and we're moving straight into our prediction results from last year. And Robert, you've been telling me that you think this is a nail biter. Uh, I, I, we will see how it goes. I don't want to jinx myself. So I, I, I had a better showing this year, but let, let's go. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's do this. All right. All right. So we, we should explain the rules uh, a little bit. Uh, we're going to score each other on a five point scale if we feel the urge. So if we feel we got something just not exactly correct, but close enough, we can award each other, you know, less points or more points or whatever. We have counter predictions. So if uh, I predict something and you predict something uh, goes the opposite way and you're right, you get extra points and yada, yada, yada. It's, it's, it's pretty basic. You'll, you'll figure it out as we go along. I'm pretty sure. Right, Jonathan? All right. I am ready. Okay. So I typically go. Turn f- one. Turn one. Round one. Round one. Uh, I typically go first. And Jonathan, I said Star Wars Rise of Skywalker will not stick the landing. Now, did we decide how, you, how we're measuring this? No, I said very clearly that uh, you will be my barometer on this. But you did disagree with me. And you said it will have a Metacritic of over 90% for the sixth point. I'd like to go on record as saying that that was a dumb thing to say. <laughs> so, which is, which is in no means a review of the movie, but merely acknowledging that the Metacritic is not near 90%. So I would like to say I deserve some points on this because I personally do not feel that Rise of Skywalker stuck the landing. They pretty much dropped everything from The Last Jedi and J.J. just kind of continued whatever storyline he had in mind from the very first movie. It feels like it feels like The Last Jedi was kind of ignored. I'm of two minds on this. I'm willing to give you half credit because you're right. They did drop a lot of (laughs) storylines. Excuse me. Wow, you can't even spit that out. <laughs> your Star Wars fandom won't let you say what you want to say, what you know in your heart to be true. Search your um, feelings, Jonathan. No, I, I, I do feel that you're correct in saying that they maybe missed a couple things uh, or, you know, the vast majority of the plot of the last movie and just pretended it didn't happen. Uh, but there was also aspects of it that I really enjoyed, uh, especially in the second half of the film. So I, I am willing to see you halfway on this one. How many do you want to give me three then? Well, that's, that's rounding up. That's not halfway. Well, it's either two or three, buddy. There, there is no halfway. We're not doing, I'll give you three cause I love you. Okay. I appreciate that. But you, uh, you've, you've got to give me the same concession at some point in, later in time. Maybe we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, so yeah, you said that it was going to be over ninety percent for the six point, and you were wrong. It got fifty four percent on the Hugely Metacritic. Hugely incorrect. Uh, Huge. Only Huge. only Clone Wars with thirty five percent, Phantom and Phantom Menace with fifty one were lower, and it's tied with Attack of the Clones at fifty four percent. So you could not have been more wrong. <laughs> Your first prediction, Jonathan. What did you predict? Um, I said Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker will be safe. And I do feel very confident that I was correct in that statement. Yep. Uh, and and beat the Last Jedi financially, which we're kind of still in the question marks about. I 
honestly, okay, so I, I, I did a little legwork on this and I looked it up. So I don't think it's trending as high. No, it's not. Uh, the Last Jedi domestic opening was $220 million. Rise of Skywalker's domestic opening was 177 The Last Jedi, by the end of 2017... Uh, according to Forbes, had about $1 billion, but I was it was hard to find exact numbers. At the end of 2019, as of the 29th, which was uh, the Sunday, the last Sunday, it had 725 worldwide. So God, it's still so much money. Yeah. So according to the industry, it will break a billion, but it's not going to break the 1.3 that The Last Jedi made. They are, not, they are very sure that's not going to happen. So I'm going to argue that I got halfway there. But you did, you, you did both. You said it would beat, it was going to be safe and beat The Last Jedi financially. I don't think it could have been any safer. I, I will agree on that regard. However, it did not beat The Last Jedi financially. That was, that was, that was close. Because like, here's the thing. You're giving me half credit on my one prediction, but you had the two tied together. You had the two. I'll remember this. Okay. I hope you do. <laughs> well, you you countered that JJ will n- be forced to be creative and not safe. And no, I could not have been more wrong. That was that yeah. that was not a safe movie. Or that was no. sorry. Let me rephrase. <laughs> I I said something stupid. That was the safest movie ever. Extremely safe. Yeah, yeah, extremely safe. So that is the end of our first round. I have three points, and Jonathan, you have zero. All right. Round two. My first prediction, Jonathan. I said. Shazam will be a quote pleasant surprise. It's not going to be great, but it will be okay. And those were my exact words. <laughs> With a Metacritic of seventy percent. And Jonathan, what was your counter? Uh, I believe I said that I would let you burn on that one. So the results are: Metacritic seventy-one percent, user seventy-six, Rotten Tomatoes ninety and eighty-three. I think I hit the mark on that. We both said, I, I don't think either of us would say it was great, but I, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I've now seen you it You enjoyed it a lot more than I did. That's true. I still don't. That movie just doesn't jive for me. But was it, was it a Terra Trash DC Universe movie? Or what? No, but I had more fun with other DC Universe movies. I, but was it a pleasant surprise that it wasn't god-awful like that first trailer made it seem? Oh, that first trailer was truly epically bad. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I mean, that first trailer just doesn't do any uh, of the film any kind of justice. Right, right, right. But again, again, I will say, I was pleasantly surprised. And, and I, had, I had hope in it from the beginning. I saw that trailer and I said, no, no, no. If they get Shazam right, it's actually going to be fun. So I like Billy Batson. I've always liked Billy Batson. Uh, no, I, I, can't, I can't say it was a pleasant surprise for me. It really wasn't. Okay. This is unmeasurable. This but, is the problem with no, it, no, no. With, but, 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 you, you, no, no, no. In the episode, you stuck me. You said, "How are you going to measure it?" I said, "Metacritic of over seventy percent." That was my, that 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 was my quantifying. God, I can't believe you got seventy one percent on that. Uh, That's just gross. <laughs> That's just gross. It's just gross. I, I, I think, uh, I think I get full credit on that because that that was how you you said, "How are you going to quantify it?" And I said, "So you're giving yourself full credit on that?" I give myself, and you're not even giving me half credit on the last one. No, because one of your predictions was I'm wrong. I'm ringing the BS alarm on that. Okay. Okay. Why? How, how how many points do you think it, do you think it's worth for? Uh, oh, for at least safe half. half? No, because it was a two part prediction, and I nailed the first part. I'll give you two. Dude, that was like an okay. airbag of a movie. Okay, I'll, I'll like I'll, I'll, it was I'll, all about safety. I'll give you two then. I'll give you two because it wasn't the hard one. The hard one. The the hard one was beating the Last Jedi financially. Being we sa- release this happen. I got high hopes. Yeah, but we might have to revisit this. 
<laughs> but if they re-release it, they'll re-release all of them. And then what, where is that going to be? No, no, no. They're talking about doing the JJ cut. Apparently it's like three hours long. Uh, no. Okay. Nobody's talking about that. That doesn't exist. And everybody Dude, knows it was it. all over the internet today. What, whatever. The yeah. And they're talking about doing the, the whoever uh, Snyder's cut of, of Justice League. The problem is that movie doesn't like exist. Like they'd have to no, re-edit it to go and, and rescore it. And, and who's going to pay JJ? I mean, that's the problem. Who's going to pay JJ the money to go do that? That's going to be another couple mil. Anyway. All right, fine. I'll give you two on the last one. But I get full credit because you, you nailed me down. You said, how are you going to quantify that? I remember this no, question. No, and I, I can't argue that. I said, I I said this. Because I, I, I just did not think it was a pleasant surprise. But you liked it a lot better than I did. Yes, I was pleasantly surprised. Boy, we both uh, botched the hell out of this. All right, Jonathan, what was your next, what was your prediction? Disney will announce something Indiana Jones this year. And I agreed. Yeah, and we were both incorrect. (laughs) Not even a friggin' video game. Nope. Thanks, Disney. (laughs) I I was surprised about that. I thought they would do something Indiana Jones. I did, too. It feels like it's time. Yeah. I don't know. Like, does Paramount have rights to that, too? Is that part of the problem? I don't know. No, I think they were strictly distro. Hmm. Well, then. Well, for round three, Jonathan, we had my classic, the, my go-to every year. And it served me well as well this year as it served me every other year I've made this prediction. Which is to say I was correct with the nope. Nope. So we are, we are due for the next RPG air quotes thing. Uh, and I said this year a streaming game will catch on using a non-D&D game. And at Gen Con and PAX, this game will start selling unexpectedly well. It will be Friendly Game Store and Gen Con Hot. And the stream will not beat Critical Role, but it'll be the obvious second place finisher. And I went for six points on that. And nope. (laughs) (laughs) Was this like three years in a row you've noped out on this one? Yeah, yeah. I'm starting to think I might be having a blind spot with uh, Powered by the Apocalypse games because I hear a lot about Powered by the Apocalypse games, but they're so fragmented. It's kind of hard to like nail it down. You know, I'm going to laugh one year. You're finally going to say, oh, man, I'm not going with that one. And then it's going to happen. <laughs> Regardless, I failed just because there hasn't been a big stream. Critical role is critical role. And everybody else is beyond everybody also, else. Yeah, there's no clear second place tier finisher. So do that. I do I get the point for the counter? You get full. The you, get, you get full. You said, no, that's not going to happen this year. And I, I will give it to you. You are you are correct. That did not happen this year. I power dunked the heck out of that one. Yeah, you did. And you're probably going to power dunk it next year. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jonathan, what was your third prediction? Uh, Next prediction was uh, more unique style games like Keyforge, but not from FFG. And I completely disagreed because nobody besides Watsy had the resources to do that. And Jonathan, has there been a unique style game besides Keyforge that's come out in the last year? Not that I have seen, no. No. I'm frantically searching for one on the internet right now, but I'm coming up shy. I, I, went, I went in on this for a full 15 minutes, Jonathan, and I have not found one. I don't think there's one. Yeah. I don't think there's one. So I, I would say I was correct in that, that there, there was not one, because the only people who I was do- hoping, man. I thought that was just, like, super cool tech, and I, I, uh, I'd love to see it. Yeah, I would, too. I would, too. But I, I don't know. Maybe the timing's not right. I haven't seen it. I, uh, yeah. And then... In our last segment, we did a bonus prediction set because we're gluttons for punishment. And, and I had my I, – I, I told you the one that I didn't think w- – I, I thought was a little out there, but I went with it anyway. So I said, Detective Pikachu will make, quote, bank. 
<laughs> it will be in the top three of the year and make one billion dollars. Oh, I don't think it was top three. I don't even think it made a billion, did it? No. Jonathan, what what no. what, 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 what did you think, though? What did you think? Because I, I talked you into this. I listened to this. I talked you into it. What did you do? What did you do? Uh, like a fool, I agreed with you. Yeah, yeah. So I looked this up. It was 17th domestically. <laughs> 19th worldwide and it made something to the tune of like seven to eight hundred million dollars or something which is still freaking great for a stupid animated rat yeah 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 sorry not a pikachu fan <laughs> pika nope over here yep 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 i mean good on them they, they made their money yeah no it, i i saw oh, it only made 145 million in the u.s yeah no i saw it it was fun it wasn't great it was fun though i had a good time all right jonathan what was your final prediction all right. At, at trade shows during 2019, Sony and Microsoft would announce new consoles and it would release holiday 2020. I'm going with the power dunk on that. one. Yes. So looking back on it, nailed it. What I should have done is I should have agreed with you on one of them because I didn't think Sony was going to do it. But, but both of them did. No, 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 no. Sony did not. Sony announced that they were making the PlayStation 5 in a blog post and they just announced that the console will indeed be called the PlayStation 5 today as of when we were recording at the CSS show. Oh, yeah, because, like, we none of us ever thought that it was not going to be called that. Right, right, right. But my point is, my point is this. Like, they did, it was not at a trade show. They announced it in a blog post. But you, you very specifically said Sony or Microsoft, not and, and I should have nailed you down on the is it or, or is it and. Because I, I, mm. I listened to the language on this very, very carefully because I wanted my points. But I disagreed with you. And, and I shouldn't have because I, I, I got my years wrong. I, I knew they were going to come out at the end of this year. I was really confused why you disagreed with me on that. I have to tell you. I, I got my I got my. I, I clearly wrong. remember now in talking about it that I, I, I sat there thinking to myself, well, that was kind of no, like he knows better than this. Yeah. Uh, well, I, what my thought was, I didn't think Sony was going to announce it. And I got my my years messed up because, Yeah. Sony's marketing is definitely different. Yeah. They're not using the big shows. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you get full credit, and I get none. So what's that What's that bring us up to? I, don't, I, don't, I, I haven't been keeping track. All right, Jonathan. So with the, your score was 12 points. Okay. Oh, hold on. There's a kid coming. Mm. Who's there? Amelia. Why are you up, little thing? I put you to bed. Aren't we all? She loves you. I just got Mariana. Her horrid bed. All right, let me finish up with, with Uncle Robert, okay? Oh. Okay. All right, if you hear an occasional squeak from my end, that's because Amelia's here. Nice. She decided to wake up and scream like a banshee, apparently. Cool. Well, that's what babies do. She speaks pterodactyl. So, Jonathan, you have 12 points, and I have 13 <sighs> and if you were giving me the same latitude that i gave you we would be tied <laughs> so i'm gonna go ahead and revoke my latitude and say that we tied this year well i'm gonna go ahead and evoke, revoke my latitude and said you got that one prediction entirely wrong and again i did not get my one prediction entirely wrong how could you say that just because i want to win you, just because you want to win <laughs> <laughs> okay you know what i'll allow us to tie that's fair that one's a little that one's a little rough we do we did we okay 
Oh, she wants you. She does not want me. Oh, well, that's ridiculous. She wants Chloe. She doesn't want me. Oh, that's cute. How do we do on quantifying this year's predictions, Robert? Do we quantify them properly, given the the, the controversy I, of this year? I, I have no idea. I haven't listened to it. That that has gone in the vault, and it shall stay there until we unwrap it next year. I already can't even remember what what we predicted. I can't even. And that's what makes the game fun. That's what makes it fun. But there you go. There you so are we calling this a tie? I don't want to call it a tie. I think I won this one. I, I do not think Rise of Skywalker stuck the landing. I do. You know what? I'm going to leave it to the listeners. Okay. To, to tell us. Okay. Did we tie or did Robert win? Yes. Did Star Wars Rise of Skywalker fail to stick the landing? Because I've seen a lot of people that actually, oddly enough, you know who loved it and, and said it was the best movie that she's seen of the series? Hmm. Jessica. Hmm. She thought it was great. Hmm. I mean, it's so funny because the, 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 the one movie I'm emotionally torn on and I have a lot of criticism about, she turns around and is like, oh, yeah, I really like that. It was the best movie yet. <laughs> so I, I don't I, know. I'm a lot saying, of people really was, have been enjoying a, a, it very heavily. I didn't like, say, it, I didn't people say are I, either loving it or hating it. I didn't say I didn't enjoy it. I just don't think it stuck the landing. I don't think it, I'm, it tied I'm up the, the whole I'm in the rare trilogy. minority where I'm, I'm not really, you know, I, I don't feel strongly one way or the other. But but people seem to either love it or hate it. I just don't think it tied up the trilogy in a bow. I think it dropped the middle movie entirely, which was bad. But It didn't, it didn't. There's, there's aspects of the middle movie in there. I think there's a lot that got left behind because they were trying to keep it down to the two, two and a half hour mark. And I, I feel like a lot got left behind. I, I don't know, man. I, I I feel differently. I think they dropped it. Well, anyway, we're not going to talk about that. That will be in our spoiler-filled discussion. But yeah, tell you what, listeners, uh, did we tie or did I squeak out a win with with, uh, with the Rise of Skywalker didn't stick the landing? Because I, I said very specifically, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm not saying you can't enjoy it. I'm not even saying I didn't enjoy it because there were parts of it I really did enjoy, which we will talk about in our spoiler-filled discussion later. I'm just saying... I don't think it stuck the landing. I don't think it wrapped up the, the trilogy in a nice bow. Although, interestingly enough, looking at the Metacritic scores, do you know what the next one after this is? Return of the Jedi, 58. Dude, I'll be the first to tell you. I love Return of the Jedi, that, but that, a big function of that is my age. Yeah. Because when that movie came out, I was seven years old, and that was amazing, you know? Yeah. Because if I look at it with a cinematic hat on, it really is a weak movie. Yeah, yeah. But anyway... I don't know. I just don't think it, it tied up the series in a nice little bow. Also, you know what's grown on me hmm. considerably? The prequels. If you go back and rewatch them, especially if you watch them all together, one, two, three, without a big break in between, they really come together. I don't know about that. But that that sounds like another tale. So yeah, listeners. Did, did Do you want to come to me now? You don't want your sister? Or are you going to freak out if I touch you? I mean, I'm only your father. Come here, sugar. Oh, oh my goodness. You're getting so heavy. Do you want to say hi to Robert? Hello. Hi, Amelia. Say hi. See, you were right, Robert. Um, now now she's getting all the feels. There you go. She'll be here next month. I know. A year ago, we were talking about you on the podcast, and now you're sitting here, and you won't let go of my microphone. Yeah. Oh, she smells so good. She still smells like a baby, Robert. She's got soft hair. Nice can't say that about any of my other children. They're now smelly and gross and have adult hair. <laughs> I know, right? Why do they get old? That's a pop filter. She's fascinated by the pop filter. Good times. All right. Well, shall we uh, yeah. Shall we give our closing thoughts for the episode, Robert? Yes, yes, yes. Go ahead. 
And that brings us to the end of episode 78 of the Forgotten My Dice podcast. Once again, we ask you to, to join us on all of our digital domains. We love to hear from you. The big one, of course, is the Facebook group. Amelia agrees with that. She's really a big fan of the Facebook group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's on there all the time. Yeah. Typing, doing things that Amelia does. Like wake up in the middle of the night when she's supposed to be sleeping. Yeah. Yeah, you're all awake. <laughs> Good stuff. It's almost midnight. Um, as always, Robert, there is only the one eternal question left, and that is any final thoughts. I'm trying to think of something we could say now that would be an episode title that would be meaningful in the future. But you're gonna stick the landing. <laughs> stick the landing. There you go. I don't know. I got nothing. Stick the landing. Episode title right there. Stick the landing. <laughs> Ho- Hollywood, stop not sticking the landing. Oh my god. I'm so tired of the third acts of so many films being garbage. It's been a problem for like ten years now, Jonathan. Ten years. Oh well. Don't even get me started, man. Yeah. <sighs> you want to see a perfect script? Go look at Die Hard. Oh, excuse me. Die Hard is a perfect script. It's it's perfectly broken up into acts. Each act has a, an appropriate crescendo. There's foreshadowing cleverly implemented anywhere. It is a perfect script. Yeah, Back to the Future is pretty good, too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Back to the Future is a brilliant script. Heat. Heat is an amazing script. Yeah, Amelia likes Heat, too. That's right. Is she watching her waveforms or something? Is she getting not all interested? No, she's just talking for the sake of talking. She's apparently going through the whole range of emotions right now. We were happy, we were blabbering, and now we're pissed off. Well, I think that's a good time to... Uh... <laughs> Amelia, be excellent to your father. <laughs> <laughs> she better be, because it's bedtime, little girl. <laughs> Well, as always, there's only one way to say goodbye and good night for the day, and that is to be excellent to one another. And party on, Robert. Party on, Jonathan. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elithiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 